Discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for what you need to know and do to become a successful real estate entrepreneur. And today we are beginning our um, rev up to the holidays, uh, as it turns out, both Christmas and New Year fall on Wednesdays this year. So uh, we're going to have our last program of the year, our last live program of the year anyway, uh, next week. And uh, we want you to be able to get ready for 2014 in terms of your real estate investing career. So we're going to talk about strategic planning for your real estate business and how it might help you get farther in 2014 than maybe you did in 2013. In the meantime, uh, we're also going to do something brand new this year. And uh, Jim, I'm sorry I didn't talk to you about this before I announced it to the entire world on the radio. But um, every year here on Real Life Real Estate, uh, typically the last show of the year is uh, some real life investors who have won the best deals of the year at Cincinnati, RIA, and at the Central Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. I've decided that this year we are going to add best deal by a listener. We're going to have a best deal by a listener category. And the way you are going to enter that listeners is you are going to send an email to askvina at gmail.com just describing your deal. It can be any kind of deal. It can be a wholesale deal. I bought my first rental. I did a creative finance deal. Whatever you like. And Jim and I will choose from the entrance. The one that looks like, you know, a really neat deal that people should hear about. And the only prize you get (laughs) for being the winner of the Real Life Real Estate Best Deal of the Year by a Listener contest is the right to come on here next week and talk about it. And no, you don't have to be in the Cincinnati area. As you know, we listen by phone. We have have guests by phone all the time. Uh, And uh, it'll just be an interview situation. You don't have to get on and, I don't know, talk for 10 minutes without anybody asking you questions and we'll coach you through the process of what you're going to be asked and so on. But think about putting that on your Facebook page. That would be cool. I was on the radio today. Right. I won best deal of the year. Well, you should tell them who's here with you. I will. Oh, okay. But <laughs> you got me talking. First I, first I was going to tell them about best deal by listener. So with me today is Jim Shapiro, uh, who is a frequent guest and guest host here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. He's Past president and current 
something or other, vice, vice president, president of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati. He is a property manager. He is a real estate investor and rehabber. And he is also, by his old, own description, a, quote, old corporate guy. Not that he's old, but like, you know, he goes way back in the corporate world and uh, has done a lot of work over the years with corporations and his own business on strategic planning type issues. And what we're going to discuss today is how you can use the concept of the strategic plan and bring it down into your own business in probably a more simplified way and uh, turn it into something that can really move you forward next year. Now, Jim, I think when, when especially other corporate people, former corporate people, because it's been, what, 10 years since you were actually in corporate America, uh, think of strategic planning, they just mentally groan and, oh my God, that's that two days that they make us go away and... Or sometimes, oh, that was that two days at that nice hotel retreat we went. Right, right. And, Depending about what kind of company you work for. And then we all argued over what the what the mission statement should say, and then we Until came we were out. ready to shoot each other. Right, and then we came out with all of this stuff, and then it got stuck in a drawer, and we never heard about it again until the next strategic planning meeting. And that's not what, – what we want – for listeners is to walk away with sort of a living document that will actually help them in their business. Absolutely. You know, and Veen and I were arguing a little bit on uh, the way here as we were chatting about this conversation. What's the difference between a strategic plan and a business plan? And I'd argue for a a small business, it's the same thing. How many plans are we going to have for a one-person business or a two-person business, which is, you know, most of our most of our, our enterprises are small businesses. We're buying some rental houses. We're flipping a few houses. Many of us are not full-time investors. So it, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the, the, I don't think there's a difference between a strategic plan and a business plan. Vina was arguing that there is. Guarantee you can have 10 different books about these topics, and they will use certain terms differently, strategic and tactical Goals and objectives, you know, is it a high-level goal and then objectives support it or high-level objectives and the goals support it? I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. The, the the bottom line is, especially in small businesses, we don't have time to do this stuff because we want to or we think it's fun or whatever. We can, we can only do it if it is going to actually affect what we do in the future. Right. And this is a great time of year to take some time aside and really sit and think about these things. And and I, I would strongly suggest to listeners that they literally set aside a day or two where they're not going to answer the phone. They're not going to turn on their emails. They're not going to take calls from tenants. And this is a great time of year to do it. Like the, right. the week between Christmas and New Year's, n- nobody important is probably going to call you, right? So... This isn't something that you think about, like, in the car driving to to an appointment or, um, you know, for, for a, a, an hour here, an hour there. You really need to sit down, pen and paper, or if you're, you know, younger than that, your, your, your iPad or whatever, and put some real thought into it because it may change what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and the way you do things in the future. I have at various times done, and, and I'm probably overdue to, to do an update of my personal business plan, 
when I have a plan and an opportunity presents itself, one of the things that's nice is to say, oh, wait a minute, that's not really in my plan. I'm not doing it. A few years ago, I made a decision, I'm not going to do short sales. Short sales for me were incredibly time-consuming, uh, and they were not proving to be very profitable. I was not serious about it. I was doing one or two. They were taking too long. I was getting too involved with my sellers. And I made a decision, I'm not doing this. And then when someone calls the phone and says, I've got this deal, and I look at it and I say, that's a short sale deal. My business plan said, I don't do short sales. So what I then did is I referred it to someone who did. Right. You find When you decide you're not going to do it, you then decide what you're going to do about the inevitable leads that are going to come in and, that way. You know, and, and how I, what I did do as a realtor was I made a relationship with two other people doing short sales, and I'd refer them the leads, and then they'd have me do the listings. So I got something out of it. They got something out of it. The buyer, the seller, you know, had a solution. I wasn't just telling him, sorry, I can't help you, which sometimes that's okay, too. But you didn't have to get distracted, and more importantly, you didn't have to sit there and wonder if you were missing out on any right. you know, any particular... Oh, that one sounds really good. Maybe I'll just do that one. No, it's not in the business plan. Right. My so. business plan was buy rentals, rehab houses, and that was when I was becoming a property manager, and start working for other people and get my license, and it helps you focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, turn down things that you really shouldn't be doing, which is very hard for a lot of entrepreneurs. Right. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how these concepts of vision statement and mission statement and SWAN analysis apply to you as perhaps a very, very small, even one person business in real estate investing. We're also going to take your questions at 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jim Shapiro, and we're talking about strategic plans for your little, and yes, I know, maybe even one person real estate business, and how it might just allow you to focus on the right things enough to do a whole lot better financially than we did last year, because strategic plans, Jim, are very different than personal goals, and and people in small business businesses get those mixed up. They like at the beginning of the year they set they set their new year's resolutions which include I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to quit smoking and I'm going to buy 15 properties this year. And those belong in different categories. They do. Uh, although the concepts of, you know, planning and and how am I going to accomplish my goals for the year, they're they're not any different. It's just, you know, the focus uh, you know, there's some people uh I used to participate in an organization that had, you know, four focuses, your physical, your mental, your spiritual, and your financial. And there's nothing wrong with setting goals for all of them. But your business plan, and I stay away from the word strategic. Most of us are small enough, it's our business plan. And every year we should do some planning and set some new goals and how we're going to achieve them. Uh, But the same method you'd use for, you know, fixing other personal things. You know, what are what are the pieces I want to do different? What are the results I want to get, and how am I going to get there? Uh, I want to increase my income. I want to acquire three rental houses. I want to set up better bookkeeping. I want to not be losing documents so that every time I have to find a document, 
it takes me six hours of searching through everything because I can't keep anything organized. Uh, and then, you know, you make baby steps. These aren't all things you solve. And, and if they were easy, if these things were easy, we wouldn't be struggling with them year after year. My so, computer booted up. Well, that's good. I think everybody in the United States just heard that, but yes. Uh, um, now I'm going to I'm going to take issue with with something that you just said or implied, and that is that it's okay to have the business stuff mixed in with the personal stuff, and here's why. Your business has a separate existence from you, and if you don't think about it that way, you are always going to be the mom and pop, <laughs> e myth investor who is working 95 hours a week because it's all got to be about me when you're when you're thinking about uh i want to i want to lose 50 pounds or whatever your mind does not go to who can i delegate that to and and in business it it it, uh, your thought process should be different it should be about how can i leverage technology to do this how can i leverage other people to do this is there is there some way that uh i i can or should get other people involved in reaching this goal which is not going to be typical for most of your personal goals so i I agree the business is separate from the personal but the concept of setting goals and looking at what are my strengths and what am i good at what am i not good at what do i need to do different this year to you know i want to exercise more i gotta get up earlier in the morning and go to the gym i gotta join a gym i have to you know find a way i'm going to do it uh same thing in the business. I want to buy houses. I need to learn how I'm going to manage them, how I'm going to finance them, how I'm going to fix them. Or find people to do those things. Or Right. That's <laughs> all. I'm not saying do it all myself. But if I don't have a team, if I don't have a contractor, then when I get the deals, I don't know what they're going to cost. And I don't know, you know, when I close on it, I don't know how to get it done. I got to start. Uh, okay. So we are all of us people in this room and people listening at the other end of the radio and online and on the podcast and so on, going to open up a new notebook or a new file on our computers. And it's going to be called, I don't care, business plan, strategic plan, whatever, whatever it is you want to call it. And what are we going to start with? I mean, do we, do we jump straight to, oh, I want to buy 30 houses this year? Or is there is there something else that comes first? Well, the traditional thing is set a a purpose or a vision and mission. Um, you know, my my company, Weybridge Properties LLC, buys, fixes, and holds rental properties for long term income and wealth accumulation. There is a clear mission. Uh, the vision is I'll have you know enough properties by the time I'm. 65 that they will make x thousand dollars a month in income they will appreciate by a certain percent so that as i get older i can sell them off you know, have income coming in i can sell them i can leave them to my family now that's kind of a, a broader uh i want to you know be contributing to the community by being a good landlord or i want to flip uh, retail houses. I want to fix up houses and sell them beautiful houses for uh, for full market value, or I want to sell beautiful houses for ten percent less than full market value and do more of them, or I want to sell beautiful houses for ten percent over market value because I do such a great job on them. Uh, but something in a vision and mission. Well, you know, in the corporate world, we could spend two days doing it. For the little operation, you know, sit down, talk to your 
Talk to your spouse. Talk to yourself. Talk to your. Uh, this is a great place, by the way, for a mastermind group. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I was in the corporate world, there'd be eight of us sitting around doing this every year. Well, my little company doesn't have eight of us, but my mastermind group has five of us, and we all, if we do it together, or we review it together, we kick it around. Now I've got peers to talk about with, and that's a productive thing. But it can be your spouse. It could be some other people you know at Rio where you decide you're going to work with them. Mm-hmm. So you start with that mission and vision. Well, now, wait a minute. I want to go back for a second to the concept of the mastermind group because it was something I wanted to bring up a little bit later. And while we've got it out here, uh, I want to sort of um, uh, open that up and talk about it a little bit. Being uh, first of all, if you don't know what a mastermind group is, if you will go to the Real Life Real Estate Investing podcasts and go back to late this summer, you will find that we did an entire show on mastermind groups and how to set them up and the value of them and so on. Um, one of the ongoing issues of being in a small business is sometimes you are sort of so locked into the way you do things and the way you see your business and so on that you literally can't think outside the box because you don't know there's a box. It just doesn't occur to you to ask certain questions. And in a in a corporate setting, uh, you got five to eight different points of view that that lead to real discussion and brainstorming and so on. And uh, uh, that was one of my, my questions for you in a small business trying to set this up. Uh, how do you get that perspective? And I think the, the answer is put together a mastermind group and it, you know, it may be too late to do that for this year for, for folks who are thinking about their 2014 plan, but that would be something to put into the strategic plan or the business plan is get myself a mastermind group so that I can get these outside um, thoughts and, and influences and so on. So we've got our vision statement, we've got our mission statement. The thing that always sort of blows my mind about the idea of a one or two person company doing a, um, a strategic plan is what's called the SWOT analysis. So let's talk a little bit about first what what does SWOT mean? It sounds like I just you know it's a SWOT analysis. No, so SWOT analysis, gesture, but hopefully they got it from the sound. <laughs> is a uh, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, o and T. T is threats, opportunities, opportunities and, threats. and threats. So you know what am and I, and I like for small businesses. I don't like getting all hung up in the jargon. What am I good at, and what am I not good at? You know, what uh, I'm good at finding houses. I'm not good at financing them. I'm good at finding houses and fixing them up. I'm not good at selling them. Whatever it is that you're, you know, and because the things you're not good at are things you need to look at. Either a, how do I get better at them, or b, how do I get somebody else to do them, mm-hmm. uh, or is it important? Uh, and then opportunities, you know, in our market, if you're a wholesaler, there's lots of opportunities. If they're if you're a retailer, uh, there's you know it's a, it's a becoming a you know, there's more sales happening. Mm-hmm. If you're a landlord, there's great opportunities. What are the ones you want to focus on? And what are the ones that you feel like you've been passing up? I think I think a lot of um, I think a lot of real estate small real estate entrepreneurs will always have one or two things in the back of their mind that they say I should do. I think I think there's an opportunity in probate properties. But I haven't explored it enough to know if there really is one or I know it. I know there is. But I haven't gotten around to uh, developing a campaign for them or something like that. And 
part of that part of the of the of the thinking process as you're just sort of brainstorming on paper is what are the opportunities and which one should I just get out of my brain because they're probably not that high leverage. <laughs> I think I think a lot of us wander around all the time going, there's a thousand things I should be doing right now. And we use that word or should. I could be doing. Right. And and that's that's almost um, that you can get really overwhelmed and depressed if you wander around all the time thinking there's all this stuff I should be doing. So getting them on paper and saying, what what are the opportunities and then which ones really look like they could be high leverage and which ones can I safely leave on the piece of paper until I've got more time or in a different place in my business. One of the things as you're thinking about this sort of stuff is to keep in mind, if you have 10 goals, you're in trouble. You need to be focused. If you can't narrow down to two or three top goals, now you may have to work on more than them, but if you know you can't set 10 goals for 2012, 2014, Definitely can't set 10 goals for 2012. Uh, <laughs> setting 10 goals 2014 means none of them are really top priority. But if you say, I have three top goals this year. I'm going to buy two rental houses. I'm going to organize my books so that when I get properties, I'm able to you know, have a handle on what I'm spending. And I'm going to increase my social media for marketing or for finding renters or for selling houses. Okay, those are manageable goals, and now you can build around them. Doesn't mean there's nothing else to focus on, but those are things you're saying are important for this year. And that goes back to if something else comes up, and it doesn't fit your goals. Like someone says, "Hey, what if you wrote, uh, you know, a new newsletter?" Well, that it doesn't really fit in my goals. So why do I need it to buy two houses, or to organize my books, or to, you know, do social media? Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Jim Shapiro about strategic planning for 2014. And this is important, folks. So if you have any questions or want some guidance on how to do this, you need to get in contact with us ASAP. You can do that by emailing askvina at gmail.com. You can also do it by calling our toll-free number at 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Jim Shapiro about strategic planning for 2014 for your business. Are you just going to like go into 2014 with no new plans about how you're going to do things differently? I mean, if you if you had a wonderful 2013 and you like made more money than you ever thought you were gonna, just keep doing what you're doing. But <laughs> most people have some ways in which they would like to improve their businesses. Uh, maybe it's not about increasing the income. Maybe it's decreasing the chaos. I talk to real estate investors quite frequently who say, man, my books are in such bad shape and I really need to get them together. That would be a good strategic goal for 2014 if that is the case. Um, back to the uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What are you good at? What are you bad at? And I don't remember what you called the other two. We were simplifying everything. Uh as I'm thinking about maybe the, the new investor who's who's sort of been, you know, maybe they've gotten some education, they've gone out and looked at some deals, but the reality is they don't quite know what strengths or weaknesses are important in their real estate business. Uh, how how do they even start to evaluate that? Is it is it more of a 
what do I already know I'm good at that I think is going to apply? What do I already know I'm, you know, in, in, in my past jobs, I have not been good at follow-up. So that's probably going to continue to be a problem for me. You know, absolutely. Everyone knows themselves. Uh, it's an opportunity to take an honest assessment. Uh, and again, I don't know, you know, don't overthink all this stuff. It's, you don't need a, a spend you know ten hours doing it. It's like okay, I need to get better organized. There's a goal: get better organized. Do you need to get better organized? Do you need to hire someone to organize you? Well, that may be part of how I. That may be the the plan. As I need to identify what I'm going to do and what I'm going to I'm going to hire an Odesk or some other online virtual assistant to help me do my marketing to do. To do this, to do that, I'm going to hire a bookkeeper. I know when I hired a bookkeeper, all of a sudden, not only did it uh, did my books get better, but it actually got done, and it didn't become this massive effort nine months into the year when I had to do my taxes, and I was able to, you know, and it and it stopped being this weight on my shoulders that oh, I haven't got, I've got all these receipts and I haven't input into QuickBooks yet, and. It's just one of these things that just weighs us down every time we walk in and we see that box of receipts that has to be input. Uh, if you find a way to get it handled, and you know, part-time bookkeepers are a great way for a small. I mean, some people are really good at doing that stuff. I know that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So well, and there's always there's always a question. We again, there's a certain entrepreneurial personality, and that entrepreneurial personality tends to include the thought that if I want it done right, I have to do it myself. And that's, that's, that's fatal. I mean, if you, if you really want to grow a business, that is an absolutely fatal thought to have. And there's always this question of when you, when you do identify a weakness, and I'll tell you, one of mine is follow-up. I, following up on things that over a long period of time is absolutely a weakness of mine. Do you want to, do you want to improve at that, which is what most entrepreneurs entrepreneurs will think, or do you want to get it solved by you not dealing with it? In other words, do you want to have a bunch of really strong weaknesses, or do you want to go focus on your strengths and let somebody else who is naturally good at what you're doing, or what you're not doing, as the case may right. be, uh, take care of those things for you? I agree with that. Uh, weaknesses are not something we necessarily have to fix. We have to we have to fix the results of our weaknesses, but we don't have to become good at it. I didn't have to become a good bookkeeper. I'm never going to be a good bookkeeper, uh, but I hired one. Uh, um, if you're not good at sending follow up letters, then find a way to, you know, and you know that deals are coming through, or you know that there's opportunity, and you're really good at getting that first set of letters out, but doing the same letter six weeks later, and six weeks later, and six weeks later is, well, then that's a great thing because now you've got it all figured out how to do it, and you can. Hire someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, better to grow your to make your strengths even stronger because that's where you're going to make money. You're not going to make money from the things you're weak at. So the question is, how do I get somebody else to do better? Mm-hmm. How do I have it? How do I, I know what I want done? How do I create a system for that and get get a person, or sometimes it turns out to be a piece of technology, right. to do that thing for me? Now, on the on the opportunities and threats, we we already talked about. You know, we all have these things that we maybe are seeing as opportunities that we probably ought to get down on paper and decide what to pursue. What would represent a threat in a, in a small real estate business type of situation? You know, 
one is I don't think that SWOT analysis is that big a deal for the small one-person operation. What's the threat? Uh, my working all the time means my kids don't ever see me, and I need to. And my wife's mad at me. Uh, my uh, I've built up some debt, and I uh, I need to get out of it before it buries me. Yeah, sometimes sometimes debt can be a real threat. Can can if it gets too big, it can really bring your business down. So. The kind of threats us small operators have are more internal. It's not like, you know, uh, another company is going to come I'm take Coca-Cola our business away. I'm Coca-Cola and Pepsi is my threat. Right. I, yeah. I'm, when I'm... I worked in Unisys Corporation, <laughs> our threats were, you know, IBM and C, you know, Computer Science Corporation. Well, we don't have that. Uh, you know, I've got a little threat from other property management companies, but I think there's enough business out there. We can all have more business. And I have enough business coming to me from people unhappy with other companies that it's not an issue for me. So I don't see – actually, sometimes my competitors are positive Your for me. Your biggest opportunity. Because <laughs> they create opportunity. Exactly. That's understanding. So how do I get in front of the people that are maybe working with my competitors so that they'll see, oh, I'm not real happy with ABC or XYZ company. Uh, and Jim's always, you know, seems to know what he's doing. Let's let's try Jim out for a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you uh, an example of some some threats that uh, were foreseeable, but the, many of the people I know did not make any plan for what was going to happen if this thing came to pass. And that was, uh, I knew a lot of people in 2006 and 2007 whose business was very dependent on the idea that I can always go back and refinance any property. Right. Or cash out refi. Exactly. I'll buy a house for 40. I'll spend 20 on it and I'll borrow 80. It'll be worth 100. And there's no, and there's, and, and when that went away, their business literally collapsed because it was so dependent on the availability of that sort of financing. And uh, there was no reason to think that it was going to go on forever. And the fact that, that some of these businesses, which were fairly large, gave no thought to that, no, gave no thought whatsoever to what are we going to do if, what other resources can we develop, how will we recognize this coming, how will we switch gears if it does come. And it took down a lot of fairly large real estate businesses. So we can't we can't predict market changes, but I think we need to know what we're dependent on that if it went away might become a problem. I have a great private lender. He he finances all my deals. What do I do? Right. What if he, if he runs out of money? He right. says, Should... oh, I'm doing something different. I want to diversify. I've got enough money in real estate. I'm going to do something different. Right. I well, should, maybe I should go out and develop some other private lenders. You know, and, and financing is still a challenge. Uh, banks uh, are continuing to surprise us. And and you know there's a there's a change. The banks are going to continue to make changes in what they do. People thought they were going to start doing a little more financing for investors, but it hasn't really happened yet. Uh, so it's been a challenge. Uh, what other threats are there? There's you know the really really cheap foreclosed properties aren't as cheap as they were. They're two, three, five, ten thousand dollars more this year than they were in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if your entire business was dependent upon getting cheap bank-owned properties, you have already changed your business model or you are not in business anymore. Or you're going to have to. Uh, Maybe you need to go back to, you know, 
finding motivated sellers and not shopping out of the MLS, mm-hmm. which a couple of years ago you were wholesaling a lot of MLS houses, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's changed a little bit because a little bit, <laughs> yeah, it's changed a lot. You're, every every year for the last four years, our strategic plan has been completely different than it was the the prior year in its details because the market has changed that quickly. Right. I mean, it's like are we still in the same business? Yes. Is it is what we're doing? The same thing year after year. Oh no, that's the, those days are over for right now. It just it does not work that way uh, anymore. So, well, there's a threat we were talking about this morning. Whether you happen to like or not like government assistance programs, uh, the talk about food stamp cuts to food stamp funding and child care funding and Head Start funding, the things that a lot of low income tenants that in our business we work with, uh, what is it going to mean when those people have less money? And you know, we know what it's going to mean for them. What's it going to mean for us on rent collections? Is it going to drive rents down? And if it does, what are we going to do about it? Because there's always, if you can identify a threat, you can always identify a solution to it. And I'll tell you, um, uh, if uh, again, if folks want to go back to the uh, podcast and look for Sean McCluskey's debt-free investing podcast, it would be terrible if all of our rents went down 200 bucks a month. It's going to put the people who are fully leveraged on their rentals out of business. Right. The people who have paid off rentals will be making less money, but they will not lose their properties to foreclosure. So if you if you can sort of see what the potential threats are and, and say, okay, well, what I need to do then is I need to focus on maybe paying down some of my debt on my properties, you know, there, there is an answer. Uh, but so I, I think we don't want to think about the threats, especially not when things are going well, which right now in the real estate business, they are on an uptrend. And I, I think uh, people are less likely to focus on what if uh, in that situation. Now, once all of this stuff, so vision, mission, I, I sort of know maybe what, what my resources are, what things maybe I need to fill in the blanks on, um, uh, what opportunities I think I might want to pursue this upcoming year and which ones, uh, what what threats I could foresee coming. At some point in all this, we got to set some goals. Right. And you said no more than three. That doesn't sound like very many. Well, no more than three top priority goals, because if you're focusing on 10 top priorities, then you have no top priorities. If my top priority is I need income, or I need to buy as many houses as I can while they're cheap, or I need to, you know, that... You know, so I'll, I'll talk to people. The flip side is, I you know they've done three wholesales. They decide next year they want to do one a month. Well, is that really realistic? And how many things they have to get in place to be able to wholesale twelve deals in a year? And it it's possible, but it's it's not. It's probably not realistic if they're going to continue to do what they did that got them two wholesale deals right. all year long. That they're- goes to that. If you keep doing what you always did, you'll keep getting what you always got. If you want some different results, you need to change what you're doing mm-hmm. which goes to you know okay now what do i need to change to get what i want and then you got to first say well what do i want i want i want to double my wholesales well i want to go from is that from 1 to 2 is it from 3 to 6 is it from you know, those numbers and and then you kind of go backwards planning is a uh, iterative process and you you say okay in order to have this result i need to do this and you work backwards i need to do that i need to do that i need to do that and then you kind of go back and forth and back and forth. And, but I think if you can do, you know, three real goals. Okay, I want to uh, buy two rentals. That's a real clear goal. I can. I want to wholesale four houses, 
and I want to organize my my books. Now you got three things to work on. There's lots of things you'll do under those three, but if it's also I want to redo my office, I want to get a new computer, I want to set up a network, I want to uh, change, you know, I want to go get into buying notes, I want to get into uh, some other, I want to wholesale, I want to retail, you know, two houses. Now you've created six goals, and they're not all going to support each other, and, and which one did you focus on? If you have three, you can focus on one, two, and three. If you have six, you know, two or three are going to get left behind. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about end-of-year planning. When we come back from the break, we will answer your questions. Uh, if you have some and you have not sent them in, go ahead and email them to askvina at gmail.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're wrapping up today's program on strategic planning for 2014. And I, I hope that one of your takeaways, listeners, is just do it. Uh, take some time out, unplug, think about what you're looking to do. The uh, you know, put it on paper and uh, implement. Um, one of the questions that we have received via askvina@gmail.com is, "I'm pretty good at planning and goal setting. I'm not so good at implementing." Any suggestions? Well, when I uh. I had a. I'm still in a mastermind group now. We've been going for eight years, and when we we were originally a little more rigid and focused in some of these things, every month we would look at our plans. Every quarter we would do a review. If you've got a plan and you spend you know ten hours, fifteen hours doing a plan in December, then you stick it in the drawer and never look at it again. Yeah, you're probably not really spending a lot of you know might have a little value. Maybe you put in your calendar, okay, I'm going to get this plan done. I'm going to share it with some people. Even just find some people at your local RIA and talk about it. Uh, show it to your spouse. Show it to your friends. Carefully. Carefully. Uh, don't show it to the friends who don't think you should be in real estate. And then, you know, put in your calendar in March. Pull it out of your, you know, uh, put a morning in March to say, go back and look at my plan. Put another one in June. Go Spend you know two hours reviewing my plan, another one in September, and another one you know come December, so that you actually think about it again and it comes up on your calendar. The biggest thing I like about my mastermind group is it makes me think, it makes me step out of my day-to-day operation and think, what have I accomplished this month? What do I need to do for next month? And that's really what the plan is about. It's a way to focus your efforts. So you're not so stuck in the day-to-day operational grind, get up, go to the office, read emails, respond to emails, look at the MLS, make offers, go look at some houses. You can do that day after day, week after week. Is it getting you the results? So if you step back and say, oh, I was supposed to do some other things this year and I haven't focused on them, I need to work on my social media. I need to work on, uh, I want a Facebook fan page for my business. I want a, uh, whatever whatever those other things are. I want to implement QuickBooks for real estate investors. Take the time to step back and look at those things every quarter. 
Uh, it'll really help. And put the steps on your to-do list. We all have a to-do list every day that says, "I've got to go pick up this paperwork. I got to mail these postcards. I got to." You got to look at the you got to look at the big goals too, and put steps on your daily to-do list that take you one step closer to whatever that is. Or yeah, it'll well, that's never the get whole done. Stephen Covey model, is that your or the Franklin Day Planner model is that you take those goals and you break them down into month by month objectives, and then week by week, things you need to do to accomplish the objective for the month, and if you build them into your schedule, which, you know, in the, in the Covey-Franklin model is it's not just your business. It's also, you know, put your community time, put your exercise time, put that all in your calendar so that it, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, and as you go along, you keep doing it. But absolutely, if you do the plan and you put it in a drawer and don't look at it for a year, the value is kind of limited. Esther from Springfield says, I'm afraid that strategic planning is one of my weaknesses. Any good resources to go on with this? And actually, since Esther is in Springfield, it would be a good idea for her to attend the January 2nd Cincinnati RIA meeting, which is going to be largely about, it's going to be a big kickoff for the year. And then uh, on January 18th, uh, Jim is going to be doing an all-day literally hands-on session it's not lecture from the front of the room it's hey here's a you know let's let's everybody let's do our strategic plans also for cincinnati ria so there will be more information available about that at cincinnati ria.com um since the other thing people can do is google business plan small business real estate business if you do that, you'll find you'll find a, a dozen different ones. Some of them will look so complicated and so inappropriate that you skip them. And maybe you take one and you you may you may not do half of it. You may just narrow down the the list of items, but it'll give you a format and a word document that now you can start. The biggest thing is sit down, open up a word document, and start typing. This is what I'm going to do. And if you spend the time doing it, you'll get results out of it. And if you keep it in your head and you never write it down, and the results are always going to kind of reflect that. Very good. Once again, you want to know more, come to the Cincinnati RIA meeting on January the 2nd. Come to the all-day Saturday session about masterminding and creating a business plan and setting goals on January the 18th, both available at CincinnatiRIA.com. And don't forget about our Listener Deal of the Year contest, which... Next week, some be fun. some lucky listener is going to be on the air in front of zillions of people talking about their <laughs> best deal of the year. I was scared of getting all that credit. You can enter that simply by sending me an email at askvina at gmail describing your deal. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Mm-hmm.